field. That one scored to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. No, no. Like Now, to your hosts. And welcome into Red Sox Beat, another edition here on CLNS Radio. This show is brought to you by Blue Apron, which if you've heard any of our shows, you know what they're all about. So make sure you go over to www.blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat to get your first three meals. We'll tell you more about that later in the show. Um, make sure to check us out on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, Facebook Red Sox Beat Podcast. Tumblr, you can rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes and Stitcher. We're back for another week as the season is coming to an end. I'm Jess Thomas, hosting for today. No Jared Scally, no Lauren Campbell. So who does that leave us with? But none other than Nick Qualia. Nick, how you doing? Yes, I am very excited. I love doing the show. You guys are too good to me. I love doing the show. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. And if anyone doesn't know this, because Nick has not done a Red Sox beat with me yet, um, me and Nick did a show at Framingham State for two years, and uh, so we were very familiar with each other, even though you never heard us together, unless you listen to us at Framingham State. So, Nick, this is going to be just like old times. Yeah, I mean, it's we already we already know how each other works on radio, so I don't know, I don't know how this can go bad. I don't either. We haven't done a show in two years, but it's going to feel like it was yesterday. So, no problems there for sure. So yeah, let's uh, let's jump into this uh, weekly recap because uh, we're not going to be talking about many losses, Nick, because they went seven and zero this week. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal week, mostly because they so they went into the game against the Yankees, the opening game against the in the four game set versus the Yankees, and they were they had to have a good series. They won that series. Then we go to the Orioles. And they just they haven't stopped winning. It's it's been it's been an unbelievable stretch. They had to we thought that the two American leagues they're finishing off the year against the American League East. So we knew that starting off against the Yankees and the Orioles both, they had to have good series against both of them to maintain a lead in the East, and they just they literally have not stopped winning. It is September twenty fifth, and we are in an eleven game win streak, and I could not be more excited about this team right now. And that's the great thing. It's not just a 7-0 seven, seven and o week this week, but like you said, four wins against the Yankees last week before that even started. This team hasn't lost since Wednesday, September 14th, and I went to that game, and they lost, and they haven't lost since, which is hilarious. So if that's what it took, then fine, I'll take the loss, but it's been absolutely crazy. So yeah, let's go over it. Uh, like Nick said, four-game sweep of the Yankees last week, which was talked about in the last show. So that brought us into Monday, looking for five straight wins against the Orioles. Uh, Rick Porcello on the mound, so obviously you know it's going to go well. And he pitched a complete game, nine innings, four hits, two stri- uh, two sorry runs, seven strikeouts, no walks, 89 pitches, 
this game, even though the Sox won five to two, um, with some good offense, a home run by Mookie Betts and a home run by David Ortiz. This game, Nick, was all about Rick Porcello. How do you throw a complete game in less than ninety pitches? Yeah, though it's it's phenomenal what this guy has done. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was that to me the complete game was that was awesome. It was cool, but it was it was how quickly he was able to get it done. Um, we know what this guy's been, what he's meant to the Red Sox this year. He was kind of a question mark coming into the year, which did scare a lot of people. But he quickly shut us up, except for the first game. I remember the first game of the season. I was like, oh, here we go. Rick Porcello, 2015, back at you. But ever since then, he's just been absolutely tearing it up. He has shown why he is one of the best pitchers in the league, if not the best pitcher in the American League, uh, which we'll get into later. And 90, 90 pitches, that's almost unheard of. Usually a complete game, it stretches the limits. You get 110 pitches, 120 pitches. Then you have to start thinking about, do I have to take this guy out as a manager and John Farrell? But he didn't, he didn't put you in that situation. He didn't, he didn't even get over 95 pitches. It's, it's, it's an incredible feat, and I couldn't be more impressed with what Rick Porcello has done through this year and this game as a whole. Yeah, it really was phenomenal. 65 strikes, 24 balls. A first pitch strike to almost every batter of the game. Just a couple couple runs, but you expect that over nine innings. And uh, this was the seventh, uh, 11th straight game that he went seven or more innings, uh, which is insane, and giving up three runs or less in every single one of those. So as if he already wasn't the top candidate for Cy Young, 21-4 and four at this point, 308. We'll update him later in the recap. But that was the first game, 5-2 to two win, Five straight wins. This extended the lead to four over the Orioles at this point because we were playing the Orioles. Um, brings us into Tuesday, which uh, was deja vu because it was the same exact score, five to two again in this game. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was on the mound for this one against Kevin Gosman. Gosman, who pitched eight innings of shutout ball in that Wednesday game, the last loss for the Red Sox that I just mentioned. Um, he wasn't so good in this game. He gave up five runs and ten hits in six and a third innings. Uh, Rodriguez gave up just two runs and six and a third, seven strikeouts. Uh, but this one was definitely about the offense. Jackie Bradley Jr. had a home run in the fourth, and David Ortiz opened the game up in the seventh inning to make it five to one when it was two to one. So that was all all the Sox would need. Erod pitched well. Uh, Betts had three hits. Ortiz had two in the three RBI. Two hits for Young. Two hits for Bradley. And really, I mean, just more good pitching in this game, Nick. You know, just just enough runs and solid pitching to keep the Orioles off the board. And it's it's something really worth noting: uh, the fact that the bullpen has been the best bullpen in Major League Baseball through the month of September. I mean, you want to talk about Matt Barnes, who for most of the year he was pretty inconsistent. There were nights where he was unhittable, but there were nights where he just couldn't get his stuff under control, and he's leaving balls over the middle of the plate. Uh, Brad Ziegler, Koji, and Kimbrel. That combination right there has really started to prove to me uh, how lethal they are. They that combination, uh, Ziggler, Uihara, and Kimbrel. It's if all three of those guys are on on the same night, it's it's almost a solidified win. Uh, am I wrong? No, Koji's looked so good since he came back from the injury when people didn't even expect him to really come back this season. Kimbrel, since he had his knee surgery, has literally been lights out, tons of strikeouts, very few base runners. Um, and yeah, Siegler's been really all he could ask for coming here as a 36 year old, 
who you didn't know if he's going to be able to give you much. He's been really solid. And someone you can't you can't forget about Nick, even though I wanted to forget about him and I wanted him to do nothing have nothing to do with this team. But Joe Kelly has not given up a run in the bullpen. He's pitched eight innings, has over ten strikeouts, and he hasn't given up a run. So let's give him some credit too. No, I know, and I've I've wanted <laughs> this guy to be in the bullpen uh, since earlier this season. The guy throws ninety nine miles an hour. Sure, give him some time down in Pawtucket, but. If you can get an arm like that in the bullpen and you already have a solid rotation, which the Red Sox, I believe, do have a solid rotation now, definitely. why not have this guy in the bullpen? He's ama- he's, he, he knows what he's doing in the major leagues. He has plenty of experience. Toss him in there. Give, just, it just gives you more bullpen depth. And the September call-ups was a perfect time to do it, and I could not be happier with the way that he's performed out there because, to me, now that means we have a solid long reliever, another solid long reliever. Yeah. To have a guy who started before be able to do that in your bullpen, along with all these other guys, has been doing well. It's great. I mean, it's it's hilarious because the bullpen was so bad, and it was what everyone was concerned about. And now they've given up. They've had less than a one ERA in September, like you said, just completely lights out, dominant. And if we get any kind of lead at any point in the game, and the starter goes any decent amount of innings, five, you know, five or more then the bullpen just seems to be able to stop him down. I know people still, some people don't trust him still, but they've given you pretty, pretty good hope here in September for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't trust him for a while, but I now I, 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 yeah, exactly. And I finally feel confident with him now. And that's, and as a fan uh, from a fan's perspective, that is one of the most common things to actually trust your bullpen. Because when you have your starter exit the game with a lead, you want to be able to trust your bullpen. You want to be able to think that they're going to shut down whatever offense it is. I don't care if they're the best offense in the MLB. You want to be able to trust them. You want to be able to know that they can shut down that team, that offense, so you can walk away with, so your team can walk away with another win. Yeah, it's the most important thing. The teams that always win the championship, I'd say 85% of the time, they have a good bullpen. You can't not. You need them. Good pitching specifically, but really a good bullpen. You know, the Royals, their bullpen was unstoppable. That's that's how you win. It's you know teams are afraid to face your bullpen if you don't want to face you know nobody wants to face Zach Britton on the Orioles. So if you get down in the ninth inning to the Orioles, you know Zach Britton's coming in. You know you're screwed. That's what you want to have in your bullpen. Yeah, Britton's terrifying. Yeah, so <laughs> I hate <laughs> Britton's like the 2007 Jonathan Palpa bodies. Once he comes in the game, you might as well pack your bags. It's over. Yep, has not blown a save yet. So that's what you want in your bullpen, and that's what we've gotten so far, which is great. So that was six straight wins now. First two against the Orioles on the road, mind you, where the Orioles have been really good at home all season long. So, But the Red Sox didn't care. That brings us into Wednesday. This was a 5-1 to one win over the Orioles. And Clay Buckholtz, get your take in a second here. Uh, I know you know that I've been on the Buckholtz bandwagon for nine years, ten years, and I haven't jumped off of it. And I said that he was going to help this team at some point. I was confident about it. I told everyone on the show, nobody cared what I had to say except Lauren. Nobody believed me. And he went out again against the Orioles and went seven innings, three hits, one run, four strikeouts, and 95 pitches. And the uh, offense gave him enough because Chris Davis made a huge error in the sixth uh, to allow two runs to score. Andrew Benintendi hit a three-run homer, and that was all that we needed. Five to one win. Nick, could you please give me some Clay Buckholz love? Yeah, you know, I jumped <laughs> off that bandwagon about 27 miles back when I saw the Cumberland Farms on the side of the road. Figured that was more approachable than watching another Clay Buckholtz game. But he's, I mean, it's its tough to knock him right now. Uh, there's plenty of history to knock him on. I will not say that <laughs> I sure. like Clay Buckholtz. Uh, I will never say that I'm a fan of Clay Buckholtz. 
Are they going to pick up his option next year? Yeah, probably because it's what the Red Sox do. Uh, it makes me want to pull my hair out. But they will pick up his option next year. I 100% guarantee you. But for right now, especially with baseball and the playoffs coming up, uh, baseball is all about the hot hand. and You have to stick with the hot hand. And he's had he had one flub. I uh, forget who it was against uh, a couple weeks ago. But since he's became a starter again, he's been pretty damn good. And I don't want to be the guy who talks about Clay Buckholtz stuff and he has the stuff to be an ace, blah, 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 because that's all we've talked about since he threw that no-hitter uh, when he was younger. But I just I can't, I can't jump on the Clay Buckholtz bandwagon. I will be a fan of Clay Buckholtz for right now because I'm a fan of winners. I'm a fan of what the Red Sox do when they win. I'm a fan of who helps them win. And for right now, my boy Clay Buckholtz, my least favorite player on the Boston Red Sox roster, I'll be a fan of him right now. I'll jump. I'll I'll get my pinky on that bandwagon, but I'm not going to fully climb onto it. All right, fair enough. That's fine. Yeah, he's he had one game against Toronto. It was against Toronto uh, three starts ago. Give up six runs, but other than that, yeah, two runs against the Yankees and his start before, and then this start, one run in seven innings. Um, he's given up one or less runs in all of the starts except for that that one six run game. So. He's really rolling, he's helping the team, and he's proving that he should have a spot in the roster because he's getting it done, and that's all you can ask for. Like you said, winning team, you want guys who are getting you wins, he's getting you wins. So that was great to see. Um, five to one final, this was seven straight wins, four against the Yankees, three against the Orioles. So we thought, all right, let's go into Thursday, let's make it two clean sweeps in a row and a four-game sweep on the road. Is that possible? Well, David Wright in the mound, so we'll see. Um, and sure enough, yet another win, 5-3 to three win against the Orioles. Um, a four-game sweep. Price was not as sharp in this game. Uh, he gave up three runs in seven innings. Clearly good enough. Got the job done for sure. Um, got the little offensive help. The Sox got three runs in the first two innings. Hanley Ramirez, RBI single. Sandy Leone, RBI single. And David Ortiz walked with the bases loaded. But then in the third inning, Price gave up a three-run homer to Trey Mancini. It was his first career hit and his first career home run, obviously. That tied the game at three. But then Ben Benintendi got an RBI single in the fifth to make it 4-3. Hanley hit a home run in the seventh to make it 5-3. So although Price wasn't, you know, he wasn't spotless, he got the job done, quality start. Chris Tillman lasted an inning in two-thirds, and it was absolutely terrible. So early runs in this game, Price gutted it out and eight straight wins at this point for the Red Sox. Yeah, can we talk about that for a minute? Do you know how many times this year that I've seen a player with, like, one hit or no hits going for his first major league hit, and the Red Sox team to do it? I remember they did it (laughs) against the – I think it was against the Giants. He only had maybe a couple hits, maybe if he even had one hit, but they let up a home run, and it might have been David Price who did that. Oh, you're talking about Mac Williamson, right? Yes. Yeah. It might have been Price who did that too. It was. It was his first career homer. Yep. It's unbelievable. It's just <laughs> it's we we've seen it a couple of times this year. Uh but yeah, I mean, you can't really I, I'm still gonna give Price the benefit of the doubt in this game because it was it was a collection of three runs, but it was on a home run, so it wasn't like it was a string of doubles that led to three runs. Mm-hmm. It was two men on base, two outs, a three run home run, but then he was fine after that and did not give up anything. And he lasted seven full innings, six hits total, two walks, five strikeouts. So, yeah, well, like you said, not his sharpest game, but the guy is also 17 and eight. 
So they're winning with him on the mound. I know the win-loss record for pitchers really isn't something that you want to take note of too often because they're kind of that that stat for them is kind of meaningless in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But he, for the most part, he he had a pretty strong game. He had a pretty strong outing: seven full innings, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, one home run. Yeah, they got the job done. Quality start, got the win. That's all you can ask for. So that was two straight sweeps, eight straight wins. So at this point, we're thinking, is this team ever going to lose again? So let's see. We go into the weekend series with the Rays. Another road series. The seven straight road games we're talking about here. Won the first four. And uh, on Friday, the fifth one happened. This was a uh, two-to-one victory over the Rays. Uh, Drew Pomerantz against Chris Archer. Chris Archer was 1-10 in in his career against the Red Sox coming into this game. Got another loss. He actually pitched fine, especially compared to what he used to do. But he gave up a two-run homer to David Ortiz in the first inning. Ortiz has hit so many home runs off him. So you think Archer would learn someday, but he didn't. Uh, Drew Pomeranz gave up a solo home run to Mikey Matuk in the second inning to make it 2-1. to one, And that was it. Out of the second inning, there was no runs. Pomeranz gave the Sox five innings, four strikeouts, four hits, one run. Got the job done. And that bullpen we've been talking about pitched four scoreless innings between Joe Kelly, Robbie Ross, Matt Barnes, Robbie Scott, and Brad Ziegler. They got the job done. The Sox didn't need to score again. They didn't. Um, Betts had three hits. Ortiz had two with a two-run homer. So just another game here, Nick. Good pitching and perfect bullpen. And this is something that you kind of you, you wouldn't have wanted earlier in the season because uh, I would say probably after they cooled off after May, so about June, July, one of their biggest issues was winning these low-scoring one-run games. They couldn't do it. I forget what the number was, but it was like something – ridiculous like two and 30 where if they were separated by one run they would generally lose or uh, give up late inning runs because of how poor the bullpen was but I I gotta say the September call-ups have really turned this bullpen around and now we're seeing somebody like Robbie Scott who's who's coming in and he's been pitching very well and he's making me very excited for uh, the future of the bullpen heading into the playoffs uh, it's 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 something like this that gives me hope for the Red Sox in the playoffs because if you asked me a couple of weeks ago if I thought they could last through the playoffs, I would have told you no. But now they're winning these one-run games, and I don't care if it's the Tampa Bay Rays, no matter how bad the Rays are, they will always give the Red Sox fits. So a game like this, it gives me confidence for the Red Sox moving forward. Definitely. Yeah, like we said about the call-ups, like Ross, I mean, Scott is getting opportunities in close games in big situations, and they're pitching him, which is huge. So it's it's great to see. Really good. And yeah, another close win. All these games, you know, three three runs, three runs, four, two, one, they're all close. So that that chapter's been turned, and, you know, it's, they're, they're winning these games now, which is huge. That brought us into Saturday, now on a uh, nine-game winning streak. Is it Can it continue? We'll see. It was hard to tell for a little while in this game. Uh, Rick Porcello was on the mound, second start of the week, and he gave up three runs in the uh, one inning, just the third inning, um, and the Sox were down three to two. Um, but he kept grinding out. He pitched well the rest of the game, and Dustin Pedroia came up with the bases loaded in the seventh inning and hit a grand slam to left to make it six to three. The Sox held on to the lead. Kimbrell gave up a home run to Forsythe in the ninth, but it was only six to four. So the Sox won the game. Porcello got through six and a third, broke his seven-inning start streak, but he still pitched six and a third, which is still all you need. And uh, the offense got it done with Pedroia. It's just on this win streak. It's one thing or another. If you're down, 
somebody comes through big, and Pedroia managed to hit a grand slam, and he was in a little bit of a funk for about a week or so. And this was the 10th straight win and another close win. Yeah, and as we continue through the season and as the season uh, comes to a, an end, we're seeing that there's there's so many talented guys on this roster that when somebody goes down or somebody has a tough night who you expect to have a good night like Porcello, uh, I mean, we're, we're saying three runs is a tough night for Porcello, <laughs> and that makes me happy because that tells you how damn good this guy's been right. all season. But he he had a rough night, and the offense picked him up. I mean, that's that's just something that this team has done incredibly well through this stretch is if somebody's struggling, the rest of the, pick, uh, the, rest of the team will help you out and uh, do anything they can to get that win. Like you just said, Pedroia was struggling uh, recently uh, after being red hot. He, his average dropped a little bit. He was having a tough time. But then the rest of the lineups, uh, the, the rest of the lineup was able to uh, pick him up and score enough runs. So his, his bat going silent really didn't hurt the team too much because the rest of the team was doing everything they could do to help the team win. And Pedroia's at bat is just something that I really want to talk about because he fought and he battled two outs, bases loaded. The Red Sox have struggled so much with the bases loaded uh, throughout the, the entirety of the season. And he finally got that pitch down and low. And it didn't even look like a good pitch to hit, but he drilled that thing. That thing was a rocket line drive. Yeah, that was a great at bat. Eight pitches, just kept fouling him off, kept fouling him off, got close to getting a hit near the line. You know, it's all these different places he was hitting it, and he managed to finally get one. Yeah, that was a low pitch. It was it was kind of a golf swing, and he just cranked it right out, and, and that was huge. And you're right, he's been struggling when the Sox have been winning every game. And then before, when they weren't winning every game, other players were struggling, and he was the one who was getting a hit, th- three hits, two hits, three hits, four hits every game. So it's, yeah, it's, as long as somebody's doing it, which clearly has happened, that's picked the team up, which is huge. So big win. 10th straight win, uh, Porcello got the win anyway because he lasted long enough. And that's the great thing about him this year is that even if he doesn't have his A game, you know, seven hits, three runs, he still pitches deep enough into the game, has a couple one, two, three innings, recovers enough to make it still a good game. It's still a quality start, six and a third, three runs. Can't can't ask for much more than that, especially. Yeah, you, can't, you can't knock <laughs> him on a good outing like that. It's absurd. Right. It's crazy. So that, was, that's, that pushed his record to 22 and four. Still in line to win the Cy Young. He's got one more start left of the season. So we'll see what happens there. That brought us into the final game of the series on Sunday. Today, if you're listening on Sunday night, against Tampa Bay going for 11 straight wins, 3 straight sweeps, and 7 straight road wins. And this game was tight and close. And uh, the Sox won 3-2 in 10 innings. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez had 13 strikeouts in 5 and a third innings. Rodriguez and Hembree struck out 11 straight guys combined, which is a major league record, and the Red Sox had 23 strikeouts as a team, which would have been a major league record had it not gone into extra innings, but they had 21 strikeouts through nine innings. So that was crazy with the pitching. And then on offense, the game went extra innings, and in the 10th inning, David Ortiz got a ripped hit. Dustin Pedroia tried to score from first, and he ended up scoring, but that was because... He ran over, he went to the home plate, he stopped behind it. Tampa Bay's catcher, Luke Maley, missed the tag, and then Pedroia stopped, stood there, jumped up in the air, tried to jump over him, got tagged, but Maley dropped the ball and Pedroia scored. Everything about this game was insane. Yeah, no, that that was one of the, I think, actually, you know what, forget that one of the, it was the craziest run that I've ever seen scored. 
I don't know. I don't know how he was able to do that. Uh, I know Jerry Remy mentioned that the catcher was using a different mitt because he was, it was, that might've been the mitt that he was using to catch knuckleballs or it was a smaller mitt because he usually catches the knuckleball. So that was a tinier mitt for him. So he might not have been used to it, but whatever the case, that was a, that was an insane play. Uh, just the fact that he was able to, that's, that's my favorite thing about Dustin Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia does not give up on a play. Most players would have just, they would have just rolled over and died on that. But he ran in, uh, jumped over the catcher, tried to dodge the tag a million times, even though the catcher was literally blocking the plate completely from him. And it shows you what heart and grit Pedroia has because he was not going to lay down without a fight. It's so funny because he always tries that. Like, he slides into second base. He knows he's going to be out, but he lifts his arm up or he tries to slide around them. Like, he always tries to do something so that he won't get tagged out. And most of the time it doesn't work, but as he showed today, it did work. So, <laughs> got to get Resilience and grit. That is Dustin Pedroia to a T. That's right. So, that was huge. And then, yeah, the strikeouts in this game. You, you think you've seen it all. They had this great season. We got 11-game winning streak. And then they go out and strike, strike out 23 guys in 10 innings. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. And <laughs> what we were talking about before, I mean Joe Kelly, this is this is where having a starter turned reliever helps. Because you had Joe Kelly, who is used to going long innings, long stretches of innings. He goes two point two innings, which you usually don't ask a reliever to do, but he almost goes three full innings, strikes out four, gives up two hits, and he's looking very, very strong and serviceable uh in the new spot that he's gonna be probably in for the remainder of the playoffs, if not the remainder of the season, unless dire circumstances bring him back to a starting position, which I'm assuming will not happen. Uh, this is what we need of Joe Kelly. And this is what I want to see Joe Kelly for basically the remainder of his career. Yeah. If he pitches like this, I'd be happy to keep him because I didn't want him anywhere near the mound as a starter, but in the bullpen, he seems to know what he's doing. So we'll ride that as long as we can ride that. So seven and a week. Me and Jared obviously got that wrong because we predicted four and three, not seven and oh. And, uh, 11 straight wins, which is ridiculous, but it's <laughs> it's happening right now, so we'll dig into it more, but first, uh, let's just give the MVP of the week, of the 7-0 week. I'm giving it to David Ortiz, because he was 11 for 28, three home runs, eight RBI, four runs. He just keeps getting it done. Even though he's 40 years old, it's his last season, the last couple of weeks, he's still leading the team. I want to give this week's to... Dustin Bedroya, just based off these past two nights, uh, he he was he was single handedly the reason that they've literally won these past two games because he he didn't give up on that play at home today earlier today and he hit the go ahead grand slam last night a two out tight situation and there's I just if you can help your team single handedly win a game like that I think you obviously deserve the MVP. Fair enough. They both did great. A lot of people did great. They went 7-0. What do you expect? <laughs> Give the MVP How can to the you pick team. one? Right? <laughs> exactly. So that's your uh, MVP. And that recap of the week was brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Uh, cooking together builds strong family bonds. It shows research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Uh, we can all tell you about how how uh, how good that is. Me, Jared, and Lauren have been using it for a while now. Nick, I don't know if you've used it, but I'm sure you've heard how great how great it is, haven't you? Yeah, no, I hear you guys rave about it every time I'm on the show, even <laughs> off the show. When I, whenever I talk to like Jared, Jared's talked about it before too. Ah, you guys make me want to try it. It's super good, and we got a deal for you here. Um, just before we get to that, we got some 
some uh, meals in September. We got paprika spiced shrimp. We got spicy hoisin chicken stir fry, eggplant and uh, chickpea meal. I got a lot of good stuff. So if you'd like to, we love to give you a deal uh, for less than $10 per meal. Um, you go to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat and get uh, $30 off of your first your first uh, order. So make sure you go over there. You'll love how good it feels. It tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Go get it today. Be like us, blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So while you all go do that, while you're listening to the show, we'll move on here to the uh, the news portion. Um, I mean, first I just want to start with, before we get into details, uh, something I want to mention during the recap. The Red Sox had five straight wins with exactly five runs. They had five, a 5-4 five, win over the Yankees on Sunday, and then 5-2, five, 5-2, two, five, two, five, and 5-3 five, against the Orioles. All, all four games against the Orioles were five runs, and I read that that was the first time in history that a team has won five straight games with exactly five runs in each one. And I was going to mention that. I mean, <laughs> that's one of those things that just probably won somebody millions of dollars in Vegas. That's one of those weird prop bets that if it happens, it's so rare, but that just makes you a crap ton of money. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of a random thing, but it's just like the fact that the fact that you get that that amount of runs. I was talking to my dad earlier in the week, and he's like, both those games were 5-2, right? And I was like, yeah, it's like the same. He's like, I thought I was reading the same box score. And then 5-1 the next thing, 5-3. It's just like it was crazy how how uh, similar it was. And all close wins, as we mentioned earlier, which is you know something that was not happening earlier in the season. So that was pretty cool uh, to see. Yeah, that made it tough for me because when I was trying to look up the box score, there were two 5-2 two wins. So I was like, oh, I must have clicked on the same link, clicked out of it, my computer's <laughs> moving slow. Then, uh, crap, I have to go back into it. It was, it was tough. Yeah, that's what the same score two nights in a row will do. And that doesn't happen much, so that's kind of cool. So just a little note there to point out. Um, so... Yeah, let's go into this. So this was kind of the stretch where everyone was thinking coming into it. Or like, okay, we got a bunch of road games. You know, we beat the Yankees four in a row. That was obviously really huge. But, like, they were kind of on the outside looking in anyway. Then you have seven straight games against division opponents, Orioles and Rays. Orioles who try to make the playoffs. Rays who ruined everyone's hopes and dreams pretty much this season. So... That left us in a situation where we're like, well, this is kind of make or break. These are all huge games. And the Red Sox come in and win every single game. And basically, you just knock every single team out of the division race and possibly out of the playoffs. It's been a, it's been like a wrecking crew rampage here. Yeah, it's it's been a tear. And you know what? Screw the Orioles. And I'm going to say that because 2011, <laughs> they're the team that knocked the Red Sox out of uh, contention. Yeah. They had nothing. They were not. I remember them celebrating like they just won the division. F you guys. You guys blew a team out of the water who was trying to make the playoffs. You had no shot. You're just the jerks on the playground popping people's balls left and right. They, it's, I, I, I can't stand the Orioles. I can't stand anybody in the division, and I, I could not be happier that the Red Sox are a one-man wrecking crew taking out all of their hopes and dreams of making the playoffs this season. It's great. It's funny how that worked. It's like because that's that's how it happens. Like you, that's what you look for in these division games. You're like, well, if you win three out of four, you sweep the series. You're gonna gain consider like, ground. You know, it's like, well, four straight wins. That's four games in the in the. You know, they're two games behind us. All of a sudden, they're six games behind. It's huge, and to do that to all these teams that we're doing it to, is is just crazy. And it's, I mean, we haven't knocked them out yet. 
Neither of them are going to win the division. They're both still leading the wild card, but the Tigers are only a game and a half behind the Orioles. The Mariners are only two and a half games behind, so they have a chance to still make the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Jays and the Orioles have both won three games in a row. That's because they stopped playing the Red Sox. So <laughs> that's that's the problem there. Uh, the Yankees are totally out now. They've just faltered down the stretch. So they could still make the playoffs, but either way, the Red Sox were making it as hard as they could for, for both teams and just totally knocking them out of the division race taking out all suspense that there was going to be in that division race. Because a week and a half ago, this was like a one one or two game back race, three teams. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty nutty to think about how, how high my anxiety levels were. And now if I went to the doctor, he would have probably given me some pills for my blood pressure uh, <laughs> just two weeks ago for the Red, because of the Red Sox. Uh, and, and now I'm just sitting back in comfort. And I, I, I'm watching these games that have not, it's just pure enjoyment now. Because I'm expecting this team to continue on their success. I'm not expecting the team to to win out and finish off 17 and 0. Even though I wouldn't be shocked, this team seems unbeatable either. right now. Yeah. But it's they've they've played out of this world, and to do it against the entire division when winning division games are tough enough as it is, and they've just been able to beat down every opponent in the division, and it couldn't make me happier to see this. Yeah, it's really sweet. I mean, it's it's just great because the last two months of the season, so many road games. Everyone, you know, I know I remember so vividly Jared saying on a show right before that at the end of July, he's like, these two last month, two months are, are set up for a collapse. He's like, do you guys agree? And I was like, I see what you're saying, but no. And like, it's been the exact opposite, It's which is crazy because it was. It was set up for a collapse. So many road games. Most road games in the last two months for any team, like in history basically, or like second most. And they did better in the road games. They have the best road record in the American League and just wiped everyone out. So it's like literally the exact opposite of what it was supposed what, what it was supposed to be is what happened. And it was just such a grueling schedule. Oh my goodness. At one point they had forty two out of they, out of forty three days, they had forty two games, which is just unfathomable. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is why in the eighties and the seventies, speed was such an issue in, in major league baseball. Because people needed to take it because they were so tired. It's and there's they, there's nights when you have games at ten o'clock. Uh, I believe who were they playing? It was the Orioles when they had a game that went to extra innings. It went to like one in the morning. They had to play the Detroit Tigers for a day game the next yeah. day. Oh, it's just things like this that prove who the best teams in the league are. And the Red Sox have buckled down and been like, you know what, guys, this is our division. We need to win this division. We've been the laughing stock the past two years. We have too much talent to not win the division. And they just they buckle down and the the stretch they've been on is incredible. They turned it on at just the right time and I, I can't wait to see what lies ahead for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and this is you know, now the Sox could get the second or third best record in the in the uh American League. I mean, right now they have the second best record in the American League, third in the majors. Um, they passed the Indians. The the Rangers are only one game ahead, so the Sox could potentially get the one seed in the in the AL, possibly the second seed, which you wouldn't have thought was going to be possible before because they were looking more like fourth or fifth seed, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But that's that's what an eleven game winning streak will do to you. Yeah, it's 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 something it's something incredible. It's something that nobody expected. If you asked me a couple months ago if I thought the Red Sox were going to be in contention for the best record in the American League, I would have laughed in your face because I didn't think there was going to be a chance of it. Uh, are the Rangers playing today? Did they already play? Um, good question. Uh, yeah, they did already play. They lost seven to one. 
then the Red Sox are now tied for the yeah they are for the lead record in the American League. 92 and 64, both the Rangers and the Red Sox. So this is a very real possibility that, again, if you asked me if you asked me this a month ago, do you think the Red Sox could have the best record in the American League? I would have laughed in your face and knocked your ice cream cone out of your head. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. And this really is, if you think about it, it's kind of reminiscent to the Rockies in 2007 when they won 21 of 22 games to make the playoffs. I thought about that today, too. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost identical. I I mean we saw what happened to that team in the World Series, <laughs> but uh, actually they got there. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, and that's that's something that is worth noting, especially with the Red Sox going into the playoffs, because it's all about momentum, especially in Major League Baseball heading into uh, a, a hot playoff race with teams who are actually very talented. It's a lot of it has to do with the hot bat and the hot pitching staff and who's the most confident. And right now, I got to say, I don't think there's a team more confident than the Boston Red Sox in the American League. No, not even not even a question about it. It's so far and away. And it's funny, too, because the Sox aren't, they weren't, they didn't have as bad of a record as the Rockies did when they started their streak. The Rockies were like 76 and 72. Red Sox weren't nearly that bad. But, you know, 81 and 64, and now 92 and 64. It's, it's just crazy. And it's really, really, uh, Really close comparison to that, which is funny because those two teams played in the World Series that year. But just a little funny note with that. So yeah, that was uh, that's that's huge for this team. See how they finished the last uh, six games. Let's get to some specific players here. Um, I know there's a lot of talk of MVP now with the season wrapping up. Uh, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Jose Altuve, David Ortiz creeping in the conversation. I know a lot of people wanted to be Betts with how good his numbers are across the board. But David Ortiz right now is hitting 321 with 37 homers and 124 RBI. Leads the league in slugging, leads the league in OPS. Most home runs in RBI ever in a final season for a player. The guy's breaking every record you could possibly be breaking. Shouldn't he be, like, the top person, contender, for winning a MVP? Yeah, I would say so. I would say he definitely should be in... Uh, in the conversation, at least, I think he's a number two. And I'm not even saying this from a biased perspective here, but genuinely, I think I think the MVP has to do with who, if they if they were taken away from the team, how detrimental would it be? And it, obviously, if you take away David Ortiz, or if you even take away Rick Porcello from uh, the Boston Red Sox, they're they are not nearly as good as they are. They're definitely a huge they they're impactful players to the Boston Red Sox record. But I think the impact is greater if you take away Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is a player who has moved from the leadoff spot to the number four spot just because his his RBI numbers would be through the roof. His RBI numbers would be I I believe his his RBI numbers would one hundred percent lead the league if he were at the number four spot for most of the season, uh, he would come up with nobody on base and hit a home run. That's it's if you took away him from the Boston Red Sox in general, it would, it would make the Red Sox a much, much lesser team than they currently are. And not only at the plate, but you also can add in just to put Mookie Betts much higher above David Ortiz, his, his skills over in right field. He's made some plays this season that have made me have my mouth has just dropped. I have I've never seen a player who's just this confident with making a diving play. He made two against the Yankees, if I remember the team correctly, that were almost identical, and it seemed it saved the game. It single-handedly saved the game. Yeah, that's the defense you definitely got to take into consideration for sure. And obviously Ortiz doesn't play defense, which shouldn't be a knock on him. 
at all. But we'll yeah, we'll see what happens. I think between what Ortiz has done in his final season, how impactful he is for the team with all the requests he's getting, being his last season, all of the retirement, farewell stuff, all that, I think that he should get it. He's never had one. Betts is going to get plenty. I say give David Ortiz, but we'll see how the last week plays out, see what the numbers end up. If he gets 40 home runs, I don't know. It's just crazy. I can't wait to see what happens. Um, see, and that's But that's the thing, though. It's like it's nice if David Ortiz were to get it, but you can't give it to him just because it's his last season. You got to give it to the right. person who genuinely deserves the most valuable player award in the American League. And personally, I do think it is Mookie Betts. All right. Well, I think it's Ortiz. We can disagree for sure, but <laughs> they both deserve it. I wish we could give it to both of them. They've both been incredible. And if somebody else gets it besides the two of them, I'm going to be extremely upset because you give it to a team that's good, and the Red Sox are obviously the better team over the Angels <laughs> and the Astros. So give it to one of them. I'm going to be extremely annoyed if they don't. Fortunately, wars don't matter that much, but people do pay attention to them. So for that reason, they must give it to us. Um, just quickly, I'm Rick Porcello. Do you see any way that he doesn't win Cy Young? I, I don't. I mean, <laughs> it's I don't. I'm not quite sure what his ERA is right now, but he has he's the best pitcher in the MLB, and you can't knock that. The only reason his ERA is a little high is because of earlier in the season when he first started off. He had like two games where he really didn't look that good. But for most of the year, he's got – this is somebody who I actually – you can look at the win-loss record, and it's it's because of him that this win-loss record is this good, and he should have one more win because he lost a one nothing game recently. Mm-hmm. He's he's clearly the best pitcher in the, in the league. Uh, he's got a 2.77 ERA through the last seven games, 2.43 through the last 15. Uh, he's 20 and four. What's his wait, what's his record? 22, 22 and four. And four yep. He's 22 wins, four losses. And like I said, that is because of him. His ERA is a 3.11 and his whip is below one at a 0.99. I don't know how you Amazing. do not give it to this guy. And he's, he's a competitor. He's yelling at players. He's yelling at Chris Headley. He's beating Machado and telling Machado to shut up as he goes down the line because he didn't <laughs> do it on purpose. This guy's there to compete, and this guy's there to win. And it's 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 been phenomenal to watch. He's such a turnaround. That's another thing too that you have to consider is yeah. look at the turnaround from last season. It's 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 night and day. Oh yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> With how bad he was last year, nine and nine and uh, fifteen. Now twenty two and four. Yeah, like you said, his his numbers twenty two and four, three eleven ERA, point nine nine WHIP, one hundred eighty three strikeouts, thirty walks. Uh, the thirty walks is insane. Um, you know, twenty two home runs, but everyone, all the good pitchers give up home runs. He's been unstoppable. His consistency. You know, I think thirty seven of his last forty starts, or thirty eight of his last forty one, going back to last season, he pitched six innings or more. He, you know, he gives up three runs or less pretty much every game. So. Yes, he leads the league in run support, but he doesn't need it. He pitches incredible every game. You have to give it to him. If somebody else gets with Cy Young, I've looked at all the stats. I've looked at all the categories of each stat for the American League. There's nobody who's better than him, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Homer or not, I don't care. There's nobody who's better than Rick Porcello this year. I was thinking, you're you're not even being a homer. It's one of those things where if somebody calls you a homer over it, then I want you to I want you to tell me who's better than Rick Porcello right now. Yeah, this There's guy's nobody. lights out. This guy is 100% lights out. He's the best pitcher in the game. And if you ask me right now who I want to start out of any pitcher in the American League, who I want I would want to start at their home field. Uh, give me Rick Porcello. He has one loss at home, and again, you shouldn't have even had that loss. It was a one to nothing <laughs> game. 
He's exactly. this this guy's unhittable at home. It's it's unbelievable. It's like out of a book. Yeah. He's he's yeah. He better start the first game of the playoffs because I've been in a lot of chats with a lot of people this year, as we know, um, about this topic. And if he doesn't start game one, I'm going to drive to Fenway Park and tell them they're doing it wrong because I don't care if David Price is the so-called ace. Rick Porcello is the ace this year. He's fished better all season long. And he's like you said, he has that fire of an ace. And he's doing exactly what an ace does. You've got to start him. If he if he if you have a guy who's going to win Cy Young and he doesn't start Game One of the playoffs, then we got ser- something seriously wrong. We've already seen uh, that the Red Sox have moved away from playing people only because of contract situations. Uh, because before the injury, it was kind of certain that Travis Shaw was going to win the starting job over Pablo Sandoval at third base, and that should be the same idea and philosophy that they go into when deciding who's going to pitch between David Price and Rick Porcello. Because yeah, money wise, David Price is the ace. But stat-wise, number-wise, and trust-wise, Rick Porcello is your ace. Hands down, argue with me any day, Adam. Adam, CLNS writer, it doesn't make any sense to call David Price the ace right now because Rick Porcello is the best pitcher on the staff and dispute the numbers because numbers are numbers and it's a fact. Yeah, we've watched this year and he's the best, period. All right, um, let's just, before we move into a couple playoff things, um, it's just I saw it in the Boston Globe, and I didn't even think about it because you know so much excitement going on. But isn't John Farrell like a top candidate to win Manager of the Year? Uh don't I just I now I have to buy a new computer, Jess. I just throw up my laptop. <laughs> it's is that is that a conversation? I mean, it's well, why wouldn't it be? Look at the team's record compared to last year, the turnaround. I could manage this team. He has he has made so many mistakes this season that have made me rip out my hair. I'm wearing a toupee now. I have brand new hair. Just I was I remember specifically I was at a game. Ruzne Castillo came in to pinch hit for Christian Vasquez. I know Vasquez can't hit very well, but at this point Castillo had like three at bats on the season, and he brought him in to pinch hit. What do you know? He struck out. Those are just moves after moves after moves that Farrell has done, and even today. He brought in Fernando Abad, who I know you got to keep giving him chances, but there's a point where you have to stop giving him chances. I knew Fernando Abad was going to give up that single to score that man from second base today and tie the game. I knew it. Farrell knew it. Dave Dombrowski knew it. It's, it's just it's mistakes like this that make me want to say no. He is he cannot be the manager of the year. All right. It's, look look at Fair look enough. at this roster. Six <laughs> six all stars on the six all stars, probably more on this roster. I could manage this team. But that's the thing, though. It kind of seems like with this award that they kind of go with, like, team record over actually, like, what the manager did that year. Don't you kind of agree? Yeah, they do. It's, <laughs> it's, it, that's why he's in the conversation, because, <laughs> because they have a good 92 wins in the season, you know? And especially because the people who are voting on this, they don't watch every Red Sox game. No, they, don't, not. they don't know. It's The reason Farrell's so under the microscope here on, like, Boston Sports Talk Radio is because we watch this this mofo every night. He crushes me. He crushes me daily. But the the rest of the United States doesn't know that. All they're seeing is a team who finished the last place the past two seasons, who is now in contention to have the best record in the American League. That's all they know. That's right. So I guess that's what we're interested. We don't think that he should necessarily get it because he has made some poor decisions, but the team's good. So we'll see what the we'll see what they do. So that's more of a just see what happens and be entertained by whatever happens. And if he wins it, that's awesome. But he probably shouldn't. But anyway, 
A um, couple things for the playoffs. So I also never hadn't thought of this because pretty much probably everyone forgot he was a person and thought he fell off the face of the earth. That's Pablo Sandoval. And uh, the Boston Globe brought this up on uh, Nick Cafardo in his, uh, in his uh, column. And Sandoval is way ahead of his progression with his injury, with the shoulder injury. And he could potentially be ready for the playoffs. As we know, Sandoval has been great in the playoffs in his career. He's played what two games this year and hasn't played this whole time and is a forgotten man if he is able to play is it a smart move to have him play in the playoffs no the guy the guy really hasn't taken any at bats since when did he get here in april was it it was april or early may Mm -mm. well he hasn't he hasn't taken any at bats since then i know he's a he's a historically a good a very strong hitter in the playoffs but and that's why that's why people pay him. That's why the Giants love him because in the playoffs he was the MVP. He was phenomenal. But he he doesn't have any practice leading up to that. He's probably taking some BP here and there. But it, right now it's it's the old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We have if you really want to change out Travis Shaw and Aaron Hill at third base, you don't think they're working out because yeah, their their batting averages are low. They're they're pretty decent at defense. Then put Brock Holt in. You know Brock Holt can play. You know Brock Holt is a utility man who can play third base, and his bat isn't half bad at all. So uh, if you, if you want to change something there, put Brock Holt in. But I don't want Pablo Sandoval taking up a roster spot of somebody who deserves to be there. Yeah, I think at this point he hasn't played in so long. It just makes sense to start over at the beginning of the year. Who knows? He could be a clubhouse cancer. He could you know make the team not as good. So I don't really want to go there either, but it's a weird thought because I didn't even I, I I forgot he existed. Yeah, and you know what? All my animosity has just been so old and stale that I kind of don't even hate him anymore. Right. I just think <laughs> I just I just think he's the chubby guy who sits on the bench wolfing out sunflower seeds. Pablo, stop! Those are my sunflower seeds. You're gaining more weight. It's he's just he's just been <laughs> one of those guys, and he needs. He, from what I hear, he's losing weight. And if he loses weight and comes back next year and impresses me. Sure, manager Nick will let you play. But for right now, stay away. Yeah, stay away till next April. He could be a Hanley story. He could be a Rick Porcello story. But we can wait for next year for that. Don't need to mess up the chemistry of the team. It's on fire right now. So leave him off. No need. No Pablo Sandoval. Uh, for play for starters in the playoffs, you know, usually I guess teams have four. They maybe go down to like three as it gets bigger. The games get bigger. Um, obviously, you want... Porcello and Price to be the one-two starters. But then you have options between uh, Claybaugh Colts, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Drew Pomerantz. Who would you leave out? Oh, man. This is tough. This is, <laughs> this is the question that, that kills me. Um, so the benefits of this is it definitely gives you another long reliever to go to compliment Joe Kelly, give Joe Kelly some rest time, <laughs> uh, and Heath Embry. So the number three... Just don't make me say it. Say it. Clay Buckholz. Yes. <laughs> for right now. Uh, and I know I'm going to regret saying that when he gives up six runs. Yeah. And leaves everything hanging out over the plate, then comes out for a press conference later that night and goes, I, I meant to throw it there. Uh, why would you be <laughs> to throw a changeup right over the middle of the plate, you dink? Uh, but for right now, he's he's unhittable. He looks like the Clay Buckholz that we all thought he would be. So Clay Buckholz at three and – I want to say I want to say Eddie Rodriguez at number four because when he's on he's on and he's almost unhittable. Uh, he's a lot of people think that he can be a very strong pitcher as he gets older and more wise throughout the league and gets more experience. So I, I kind of want Eddie at number four 
and then put Pomeranz in the bullpen. Pomeranz scares me because of that that big hanging curveball. Sometimes he leaves that thing over the plate, and he gives up a lot of home runs, and you can't have a lot of home runs in the playoffs because that's what can kill you. Yeah, he's given up a home run almost every single game. He's pitched well overall, but he's had a couple starts. The last couple uh, second-ago and third-ago starts, uh, he pitched well in the last game, like we talked about earlier. But he's had a couple rough starts. He hasn't gone very deep in the game. And with Buckholz and Rodriguez both pitching well, I tend to lean toward Pomeranz just because I don't know if I trust Rodriguez in the playoffs being a young guy, but he really has pitched well the last like month or so. So I think he might might deserve a spot. And it's weird to leave a guy who made the all-star team off the playoff starting roster, but he kind of is the odd man out at the moment. Yeah, I mean, for right now, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but... Pomeranz right now is my man in the bullpen. Yeah, He gives up too many home runs, and God forbid he's throwing a good game, walks two guys, gives up a 300-run home run, they lose 4-3. to three. That's just that's, that's the story of the playoffs. You're going to have a very, very powerful Texas Rangers lineup. You don't want to give up home runs to those guys. You really yeah, don't, especially if Fenway. Fenway, a pop-up to left field's a home run. You, just, you can't give that up. Yeah, I'm with you. It's the home runs are dangerous. You don't know how happy it makes me, though, to, that – People want Buckholz to start to start in the playoffs. That just makes me happy than anything. It's like yeah, I, I don't know if that makes me happy or not. It scares <laughs> me. Well, it makes me happy because I've been in his side and everyone's told me I'm an idiot. And now, huh, look what's happening. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. All right, let's move on to uh, some MLB stuff. Um, obviously, the first thing we want to cover is Jose Fernandez because it happened today. We're doing the show today, uh, Jose Fernandez died this morning on Sunday in a boating accident. Uh, 24 years old, one of the best pitchers in the league. Huge shock to everyone. He had a lot of friends around the league. He was a great guy. Everyone liked him, which is always the case when someone passes away, but it actually does seem like he was a great guy and had such a bright future. And to be found dead on a, you know, in water after an accident in the middle of the night, that's a weird scene. Um, kind of shocked MLB today. Um, so obviously condolences to the baseball family, the Marlins, his team, his family. I know he had a baby on the way too. It was just a terrible situation. Yeah, it's it's always tough, especially when somebody so young like that goes goes way too early. Um, and and he just I forget Jared actually told me this earlier. There was a picture he ret- he retweeted. Fernandez retweeted. Uh, not too long ago about like, if you could read the last chapter of your book of your life, would you do it? And it just, it's just eerie that the last chapter of his book was probably around that time. It's, it's, it's just such a sad story. You never want to see something like this happen. And if you know, if David Ortiz is tearing up, uh, I feel like David Ortiz only hangs out with good people and only puts himself around good people. And David Ortiz was tearing up today during the ceremony. And David Ortiz told him, Hey, this isn't a day about me. This is a day about Jose. So please do not do my ceremony today and only do a ceremony about Jose Fernandez. It's just, it's a tough story. It's a tough day uh, for the world of sports. So it's rough. Yep. That's all you can say. It's uh, always a shock. And especially when it's someone as big and famous as uh, someone like him. So rest in peace, Jose Fernandez. Um, Let's move on here to a couple, little bit of baseball news. Uh, just a quick look at the playoff races before we do our predictions. Um, you know, in the American League, Sox got the AL East, Indians got the you know, AL Central, Rangers got the AL West. That's all pretty much decided. Wild cards, I think it's not. Blue Jays in the first spot, game and a half ahead of the Orioles, who are in the second spot. 
They are a game and a half ahead of Tigers, two and a half games ahead of the Mariners, three against the Astros. There's either six or seven games left for most teams. Um, who do you think gets the AL wild card? Is it going to be the, the Jays and the Orioles? Are they going to fall apart? And Is the Tigers going to catch one of them? Uh, yeah, I think the Jays stay. I think the Tigers win. Uh, the, the Orioles are just tripping all over themselves right now. Uh, they're they're losing their stuff. They're losing the mojo that they had going on throughout the year. Uh, their pitching's falling apart. Their offense isn't doing. Their offense basically carried them for the most part. Their home run ball, their averages weren't good, but they they hit a ton of home runs, and that was carrying them. And you know what people say: offense wins championship. Uh, defense wins championships. <laughs> offense wins the games. And as of right now, the the pitching is starting to take them over, and they're not doing well. They're I don't think they're going to be able to take down the Tigers. Yeah, it's, you know, one and a half games is not too much, but um, I think that I think the Tigers can overtake them. I don't like the Orioles' home road split. They're 50 and 31 at home and 35 and 40 in the road. That's a bad, that's a bad uh, record to have on the road for a, uh, a playoff team. And they've just been struggling recently. The Tigers haven't been playing great, but I feel like, I feel like they could catch them. I'm interested to see. Uh, it's obviously close, but. I say go Tigers, knock the Orioles out. Yeah, Jays are definitely getting in. So we'll see what happens there. And then in the National League, um, yeah, the, Na- uh, the uh, Nationals are going to win the NL East. The, they already have. The Cubs obviously win the NL Central, and the Dodgers are going to take the NL West. So same thing there in the National League with a week left down to the wild card chase. Um, the Mets... All right, game up. The Cardinals and the Giants are tied for second. Marlins are four and a half games back. So this is a three-team race. One of them is going to get left out. Do you see the Mets, Cardinals, or Giants being left out of the playoffs? Uh, I see the Cardinals, and only based on the Mets playing relatively decent uh, lately. Uh, They're turning it on. The Giants are too good. And as lame of an excuse as that is to say that a team's going to make it in, I I genuinely think the Giants – are too good with their rotation. Uh, and you know what? Their offense. I'm surprised that they didn't do better this season, to be honest with you. Yeah. Between Bad Bum and Johnny Cueto, they have two aces in their starting rotation, and they're fighting for a wild card spot. And it's an and, even year, too. They're supposed to win. Yeah, it's an even year. I, so I basically wrote off the season because I thought the Giants were going to take it. Right. <laughs> and the Cardinals just aren't playing the, their best baseball right now, which is good because I do not want to see the Cardinals in the playoffs because the Cardinals know how to – the Cardinals know how to – live through the post the postseason mm-hmm. i do not want to see them making it to the postseason yeah you know i'm i feel like it's gonna be cardinals giants i'm i'm leaving the mets out i know they have the lead currently and there's not many games left but without harvey and Degrom, you know without their supposed aces i don't think they're going to be that good in the playoffs so i guess a part of me just knowing that what's going to happen in the playoffs. I don't think the Mets are going to go anywhere. The Cardinals know how to play in the playoffs. Like you said, the Giants know how to play in the playoffs. So I'm going to leave the Mets out and put the Cardinals and Giants in. But the Cardinals' 33-41 and 41 home record concerns me. But as a result, their road record is 48-32, and 32, which is the best in the majors. So that can kind of go either way. But I'm going to leave the Mets out of here. All right, and this just uh, leads to our final segment here, our predictions for the week. Like I said earlier, me and Jared totally missed last week. We said 4-3. and three. Uh, It was obviously 7-0. and oh. Not a lot of seven and weeks are predicted. I know I've predicted like one or two perfect weeks. Never happened, so I didn't have the balls to do it. I should have. Oh well. But who can predict an eleven game winning streak? So let's try again. Six games left of the season. Last week of the regular season. 
three at the Yankees, three versus the Blue Jays. Um, if they win all six, they'll finish the season on a 17-game winning streak. No matter how they finish the season, it's going to be great because the fact that they won 11 in a row. So let's see what we think. Uh, let's start with the Yankee series. Nick, what do you have for the Yankees? You know, I know we already kind of slightly talked about this before off-air, but I'm actually going to go sweep of the Yankees again. Wow. The Yankees, the Yankees, since the Red Sox have swept them, have literally just curled up in a ball and let the rest of the Major League Baseball just kick the crap out of them. They, they're, they've been awful lately. It's, it's tough to watch. It's almost like cover my eyes. I don't want to see this. Uh, the Red Sox are too hot. The Yankees are too cold. So I see the Red Sox taking three games out of three. Yeah, I totally agree with the Yankees. It's, um, yeah, they're only 70, 79 and 76 now. Um, four games lost in a row, two and eight in their last 10. When they started the series with the Red Sox, they were four games out of first place. They're now 12 and a half out. So the Sox just totally ruined their season. Any hopes and dreams of any playoffs just totally smashed that. So I agree. Um, I'm picking the sweep too, which is ridiculous because you realize we're both predicting the Sox to win 10 straight in the road, which is like unheard of. But it's, do, it's would that be 14 in a row in, in, in 14 general? 14 in a row and 10 in a row on the road. That is so unlikely. <laughs> yeah, but like, but. That's but the thing. Win three it's realistic. Games. Yeah, it is. Which it's is it's a realistic possibility, and that's what scares me. You know, you know what the Yankees remind me of right now? What the Yankees remind me of, like of that really pretty girlfriend who breaks up with their boyfriend, and the boyfriend just lets themselves go. <laughs> they were four games out. They were living pretty. They thought they might have something here, and then all of a sudden, their world comes crashing down. And now they're twelve and a half out. It looks like they were never even in the pennant race a week ago. Man, and Hanley Ramirez, if he didn't hit that home run, the Yankees would have been three games down. <laughs> you're, if you're born with the Ramirez gene, you're a Yankee killer. It's just a fact. That's right. He totally destroyed him and knocked out all their hopes. So, All right, so we're both going sweep there. Uh, and then we have the Blue Jays series. Three versus the Blue Jays at home. David Ortiz's last three regular season games. What do you got for this series? Uh, I'm going to go two out of three. Uh, basically because the, the Jays ends. are still... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? That's still what? Uh, 16 out of 17 of their final games. Right. Uh, that's, that's unbelievable in itself. Mm-hmm. But the Orioles have too, too strong of a lineup to, I'd say, lose again in a sweep or lose in a sweep. Uh, they've got a very powerful offensive lineup. Uh, this is the kind of person, this kind of series where Drew Pomeranz, uh, if I believe Drew Pomeranz is pitching, uh, this is the kind of series where Drew Pomeranz gives up a home run in a bad spot to either like a Jose Batista or somebody. Yeah, I think the odds of sweeping them too. Even though it's a home series, if if they have won 14 in a row at that point, and the Jays, you know, at this point, the division's going to be wrapped up. The Jays are going to be fighting for the playoff spot, so they're going to have some incentive to actually win. So I'm picking lose two out of three um, for a four and two week. Jay Happ's pitching in the series. He's, he has 20 wins. Aaron Sanchez is pitching the final game of the season. He is 13-2. and two, So good pitching for the Jays, and the Sox just never lose, and they aren't going to be playing for anything besides best record, but they've won so many games in a row that I feel like something's bound to happen. So I'm going to go with lose two out of three for a 4-2 and two week and a 15-2 and two finish to the season. So either way, we both think that it's going to be a great end to the season. And sweeping the, <laughs> sweeping the Yankees one more time would just be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, and so we're basically saying that their their streak's going to end because it's too unlikely to go on a 17-game win streak to end the season. That's basically our logic. Right. 
even though we both really wanted to pick it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happened because that's just how well they've played. And everything has gone right between like the Pedroia Grand Slam, him managing to get on home plate, winning all those close games. Everything just seems to be going right. Yeah, it's 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 too much of a storybook ending for it to actually happen. It's right. too unrealistic. I have to write this stuff down if I believe that this is going to happen. Who the heck wins 17 straight baseball? Who wins 11 straight baseball games? That in itself is insane. So even if it ends tomorrow on Tuesday, that that would still be ridiculous. But, you know, that, that just doesn't happen in baseball much. You don't win that many games in a row. The 2016 Boston Red Sox. That's who does it. That's right. 11 straight. It's happened already. We've been talking about it. It's nuts. Well, that's going to do it here for us, Nick. Thanks for coming on. It was a blast, just like old times. Of course. It was wicked fun. I'm glad we got <laughs> to do it again. We haven't done this in way too long. I know. And to do it when the team's won 11 straight games. What perfect timing. That was great. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. So that will do it. Uh, this is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. Once again, blueapron.com slash Red Sox Beat. Uh, on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Listen to us. Talk about us. Talk to us. We'll, we're willing to hear it all. So last week of the season coming up. So next week's next week's show will be the finale of the regular season and then for the first time since 2013 and the second time since 2009 we got playoff baseball in boston we are looking forward to it so once again this is red sox be on clns radio 